0: I think Pat's Bland said Monaghan was the worst team in Ireland. I think um, we celebrated a Division Three win over Meath with a last-minute winner like it was an All-Ireland Final. Uh, I remember going to playoff or uh, um, qualifier games against Longford and getting beaten in Clonus. so there's definitely a lot of dark days me in my teens but then probably since 2013 it's been really really good um, a lot of that may have been coming with the great minor teams, Monin Miners came true. I think there was a, a double win in 2013, the Monin Miners won 2013 championship as well. So a lot of those players have stepped up, allowed Monin to win um, more Ulster championships in the last couple of years.
1: So... Okay so welcome back to the GA Fan TV podcast my name is Aaron and I'm joined here today by Shane Rice to talk all things Monaghan ahead of the upcoming uh, championship um, I suppose first of all uh, Shane how are you keeping?
0: Good Aaron thanks for having me on looking forward to the chat
1: Perfect um, well I suppose obviously you know you're a very busy man so I do appreciate you uh, jumping on here how would you uh, introduce yourself I suppose to anyone who wouldn't uh, be too familiar with yourself?
0: Good question. Um, well, uh, probably an online coach because I have purely went online in the last uh, couple of months, maybe the start of the year. Um, my full title would probably be a strength coach, personal trainer, spent a lot of time abroad in Canada, Toronto for a couple of years, learned my trade there, came home, set up my own business, and it's purely online. Um, my office is in Scottsdale, in Monaghan, so dealing with um, tons of clients, hundreds of clients around the world on an everyday basis. I have my own coaching app, so they get all my attention 24-7. And then during the GA season, I'm a senior GA coach. I'm currently with a team called Emmy Veal, who are in intermediate division in Monaghan. So do a lot of seminars with a lot of coaches um, in Ulster. And that takes up a lot of my time too. So look, have my feet in a couple of different areas, but mainly my clients get my my main focus.
1: Mm. And I suppose I'd imagine you're you're busier more than ever at the moment, especially with uh, with all the gyms closing and I suppose with the lockdown, the first lockdown as well. I'd imagine it's um it's been pretty chaotic. I suppose the past couple of months or so.
0: Yeah. I mean, the first lockdown when I was in March. Um, a lot of teams were still preparing for a championship in the summer. A lot of county teams. And they got in touch with me and wanted to do Zoom workouts. So it was all Zoom, Zoom, Zoom back in the first lockdown, which was great at the time because it allowed me to get more work. And it also allowed a platform for JA clubs and intercounty teams to get workouts in from home with the lockdown. And then this lockdown is a bit different. I think um, some gyms up north are still open. And then the gyms down south are closed. So what I offered to all the players down south if they wanted to jump on like a membership uh app platform where they're able to roll off home workouts in their own time rather than zoom live um so a little bit different but same scenario um home workouts are super super the craze right now um yes you gotta do something because it's very easy to do nothing especially leading up to christmas because we all know that christmas a time away from maybe um the gym and whatnot so it's very important that everyone's doing something leading up into end of October and November
1: Mm. and I suppose obviously you're a Monaghan man yourself um so I suppose were you relieved enough obviously after you know the draw with Mead I suppose avoiding relegation to division two I mean it was quite a quite a close battle on the the last day in the end.
0: Some people might say that Monaghan um, were maybe going into it a bit overconfident, but I don't see the case. I mean, we watched Meath uh, play at Dublin the week before. They were, they were fantastic against Dublin. So we, I think Monaghan knew that it was going to be a tough game. And luckily, they got the draw and they secured their um, place in uh, Division One for next year. That's very important that you secure your division because if you're playing a better competition... Um, leading up in the championship, you're going to be well prepared. But that's not the same Monaghan. I mean, Monaghan won their Ulster 2013 um, in Division Three. So, I mean, the big ones next week, obviously, against Calvin, do or die um, against the local rivals. So we're all expecting Monaghan to put in a big performance, and I think they'll probably need a better performance against Calvin than they did against uh, Meath.
1: Hmm. Yeah, me definitely, you know, very good team at the moment. And they definitely showed a lot of signs of um, improvement really from, from last year. So it was definitely important for them to, to definitely get that point I feel just just so they weren't kind of dragged into that last kind of relegation battle just towards the end of the game. Um, and I suppose what's the kind of expectation, do you think, for for Monaghan this year? Because, you know, for myself personally, I feel like they're kind of they are gone under the radar quite a lot. Like a lot of people are looking looking at Donegal, Tyrone, but Monaghan definitely are, you know, one of the teams that could easily win it this year.
0: Yeah, I think Monaghan will fancy themselves on that side of the draw. I think they meet Antrim after Calvin and then Mm. they, I think they don't meet Armagh, Donegal, Tyrone until the final. So it'd be good to see Donegal or Tyrone probably getting the boot um, in the first round. And then it'll open up. Very interesting to see how Tyrone will match up against Donegal after just playing them a couple of weeks ago in the league. I think you'll see a very different Tyrone against Donegal. And I'm very excited for that. I actually would, um, maybe if it was a betting man, go for Tyrone because that would be the cuteness in Mickey Hart to maybe turn them over. But in terms of Monaghan, um, nice draw um, on paper. But like we've seen before, Monaghan had been caught on the hop with Fermanagh in the past, leading up to, up to the final. So I don't think they're going to be complacent. And I know for a fact that Bante will definitely not have them complacent and they'll be raring to go. But Cavan will definitely be no pushovers either.
1: Yeah, and I suppose Cavan will definitely want to right the wrong of, of getting relegated to Division 3. So you definitely have to feel that that will be a, a tough encounter. Um, do you feel mm-hmm. like Monaghan are, are almost our horses, do you think, in many ways, for, for even going on a, a bit of an All-Ireland run? Because, you know, in 2018, they were they were fairly close semi-finalists. Probably should have even made a final that year.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they can get through in Ulster, well, then anything's possible because I think the Ulster um, is super competitive now with Armagh stepping up. I think Arma. I think they got promoted there to, to Division 1. Um, they're looking pretty good. They're going to be hard to beat in Ulster as well. The only thing that you might look at is the... Um, fatigue maybe going through a couple of, a couple of Ulster um, games will have on the All-Ireland Series personally I think it's hard to look past obviously Kerry and Dublin and um, I would give Kerry maybe the, the team to watch out for um, I would put money on them and I think Dublin are going to going through a small slight transition period at the minute with some new forwards and whatnot. not but um, Monning just have to get through Ulster and then anything's possible I think they do play probably Dublin, the Leinster champions in the semi-final. So again, it's just one game of football. Mon have played very well against Dublin. Um, I think they did very well against them in the league. Probably should have beat them. Dublin came back. So I think Dublin, Monaghan probably owed Dublin one, but I know... Modern players, they will not be looking past Ulster campaign and then take it from there. If they can get Ulster, well, then it's just two games to win the all Ireland. They won't be looking at any semi-finals until they get get through Ulster first.
1: Yeah, and I suppose that is the the only thing, really, isn't it? You know, having to play four games to to win the Ulster championship compared to all the other teams and all the other provinces, you normally mm-hmm. only have to play two or three. So that might be the only thing that might cost Monaghan. Maybe is just playing week in, week out. Um, yeah. But I suppose, like when you look at this Monaghan team, obviously for most um, neutral fans, they'd obviously look at Conor McManus as the sort of main main man in that team. But like, what other players do you think in that Monaghan team this year can actually make a bit of a difference if you are to go on a, a push for a potential All Ireland? Um,
0: I mean, Conor McManus has been spearhead of Mon attack for years now, and there is a couple of other who aren't far behind him looking to step up to the plate and add those couple of scores and um, my own clubman Conor McCarthy he has been the best footballer in Monaghan for the last two years anyway at club level he probably um, got off to a great start in the league campaign this year um, hasn't um, shot the lights out maybe in the last couple of games, but he's definitely one to watch. He's absolutely fantastic and worth every penny uh, to watch him. There is obviously you know, the likes of younger boys like David Garland coming through. Um, you have your Desi Ward, who's been at number 10 for a while now. Um, but again, you're looking at the two Hughes and McCarthy to really step it up. Um and then, I mean, we lost Jack McCarn which was a blow. He was another man that was pushing. He um, done the ACL. So that was tough on Monaghan. He looked like he could be a great asset in beside Manzi. But um, if I had to go with anybody, it would be Sess and Conor McCarthy to step it up. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I suppose what's it been like to, I suppose, now McCarthy and, and obviously play with the likes of Conor McCarthy and Rory Began and Darren Hughes I suppose what's it been like to actually be involved with Scotstown and I suppose play with them
0: I mean it's a new level um, I came back from Toronto in February and I didn't actually join up with the the club seniors until mid mid summer just when the lockdown um, allowed teams to go back and it was an all new level these guys are so professional on the pitch so professional off the pitch they're training their diet um everything is to a T and it's we were very very grateful and lucky to be able to line out or train um, as hard as we can with the numbers that we have at Scottsdown and the quality that we have we would find that if we play an in-house game 15 on 15 we would probably get more benefit out of those games than maybe playing a league game because of the quality that's within the club so very grateful, very lucky and hopefully now it can continue because there's definitely a lot of years left in the Scottsdale group
1: Yeah and I suppose even looking at the, the Monaghan team in general and kind of looking at you know, how the past decade went. I suppose, what's it been like to kind of be a Monaghan man and even a fan of of kind of watching the team? Because obviously, you know, winning two Ulster titles in a time period where, you know, when you look through the past previous decades, they they certainly didn't come around too often.
0: No, I mean, when I was younger, when I was maybe well, let's say 12, 13, 14, I was watching the likes of Paul Finley, Tommy Freeman go through Division 4. I think Pat's plan said Monaghan was the worst team in Ireland. I think um, we celebrated a division three win over Meath with a last minute winner like it was an all-iron final um, i remember going to playoff or um qualifier games against longford and getting beaten in clonus so there's definitely a lot of dark days me in my teens but then probably since 2013 it's been really really good um a lot of that may have been coming with the great minor teams My among minors came true i think there was a a double win in 2013, the Monin Miners won 2013 championship as well. So a lot of those players have stepped up, allowed Monin to win um, more Ulster championships in the last couple of years. So there's definitely a lot of dark days, but I think the work that the county board has been doing with underage teams and the new development centre, I mean, Cloughan is obviously getting better every year. And they have really focused on the underage development. In the in the early decades, so I think that's coming to show, and there's there's even more youth coming through now and breaking through the under twenty teams, and then the seniors. So the future's bright for Monaghan, which thank God, because there was one stage where it wasn't too great.
1: Mm. And I suppose did those titles almost come as a surprise, even in in twenty thirteen? Because as you said before, you know we were in Division Three at that time. So was there any kind of expectation even leading mm-hmm. into twenty thirteen that maybe you could? potentially cause an upset? Because obviously Donegal were, you know, just recently All-Ireland champions. So I don't think anyone really had have expected Monaghan to, to do what they did that year.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it probably was a big upset for everybody else in the country. Um, I think Monaghan um, supporters believed in themselves, having seen what the, the previous underage teams have done. Um, I remember watching that game and I... Was pretty confident going into it. It wasn't exactly just a shock, and um, I think the Mon supporters were pretty confident going into it. I think they looked good leading up to it, and um, regardless of Division Three, Malachy O'Rourke came in two thousand thirteen. Looked quality, and um, he really settled things in terms of in camp. From what I hear, so the guys have great respect for him. So I think within the county, wasn't a massive shock. Obviously underdogs, but I think the country. Start to realise that Monaghan could be a force for the next seven years, which they have been.
1: Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I think winning those two, um, two Ulster titles, definitely kind of set the, it kind of set the bar very high for Monaghan. And I think it's even something that a lot of other counties can even, you know, take inspiration from and actually follow probably in the next kind of five to 10 years or so. Um, like where, where, like obviously last year was kind of a real surprise year for Monaghan. And, um, you know, it probably didn't go as well as they would have hoped. Like, what do you kind of put that down to? I know obviously you're away in Canada, so you probably wouldn't have a, mm-hmm. a full insight to it, but I suppose kind of watching from the outside, where do you think that, where do you think it kind of went wrong there?
0: Um, I mean, it's very hard for any team to keep the level of consistency up. Um, I think it was always going to be maybe Maliki's last year. I think he could have went maybe the year before. That wasn't necessarily saying that he deserved to go. It was just maybe his time. Um, most uh, teams, whether it's club or inter-county, usually go some sort of change with uh, background staff and management every five or six years. So it was coming towards the end of his stage. It was also coming to the end to the end of some of the players like Vinnie Corey, Owen Lennon. Um, some of the older lads probably didn't maybe have the legs in it. Um, I think they were beaten by Arma in the qualifiers. Um, mm. Not sure if that, yeah. And then Armagh were obviously hungry, young team coming through. So from what I've seen, it was probably just coming towards a bit of an end. But again, shake up again, start of this year. Bandy's come in with new management styles, new management. He definitely has them round to go. So it's, some teams just go through that little little
1: patch. Hmm. Yeah, like definitely this year they've looked um they've looked very bright. I remember even when they played Dublin, like they probably should have won that game. Dublin somehow yeah, managed yeah. to rescue a draw at the end. Um do you think this Monaghan team get the credit they deserve sometimes? Because obviously a lot of people are probably used to Monaghan being this kind of successful team that they are now but as we were speaking earlier you know 10-15 years ago they certainly weren't so do you think that a lot of these players get the credit they deserve
0: yeah I think a lot of the players that are now with the Monaghan team they've came through university they've won Sigersons. and um, I think a lot of the players are well respected around Ulster a lot of the players you know, there's maybe six or seven Scottsdale players won a lot of championships. So there's definitely respect within the county. Um, regarding outside the county, I think that if you ask maybe someone from Waterford, Wicklow, they would respect Monahan and they would count them as a good outfit. Monahan have I mean to be in division one for how many years now on the trot? So I think everybody gives them the credit that they deserve because, I mean, like I said, Pat Spillan definitely showed them disrespect maybe ten years ago, but I think even Pats Blan now would give them credit.
1: Yeah, and I suppose Pat Blan isn't one to shy away from uh, from digging into teams from Ulster anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. But uh, but I suppose like what was it what was it like anyway to return to to Scottstown? obviously haven't been away in, in Canada for a few years like what was it like to kind of be back on the pitch after such a, a long time away
0: yeah i mean what i loved most about it was just the build up of the training and how excited you would be before training knowing what the quality would be like and for me as a coach and someone who really looks maybe deep, maybe too deep into themselves in terms of what their lifestyle is like, what food they're putting into their body, what sleep they're getting, um, HRV, all that stuff. It was really great to put that with the Scottsdale team because a lot of their players would be like that too. So in the same mindset. So I loved the professionalism of it. I obviously didn't get that professionalism abroad obviously um I also played with a team up in Louth who didn't go about that that height of professionalism so it really feels as if you're part of an inter-county team when you're with your with Scotland. so I just I'm so grateful to have that um every single week I'm very lucky I know a lot of clubs don't have that so um we're very grateful for that uh, in terms of playing um very disappointed the league campaign, club league didn't go ahead this year. I felt as if the league campaign would have been great for someone like myself just coming back after not playing at that level after three years. So it was very hard, obviously, to make a championship side like Scotstown uh, just after coming off the plane from playing at a different level abroad. So um, on a personal note, really looking forward to 2021, putting a lot of hard work in at the minute to try and uh, push on for that league um, campaign that will hopefully start in 2021 at club level. I don't see why it wouldn't. So at the minute, it's all good. Mm.
1: And I suppose, do you think the county title for Scotstown this year meant that a little bit more this year, given the, I suppose given that obviously you lost last year and then obviously mm-hmm. given the, the world, you know, the circumstances at the moment with COVID and all that?
0: Um, yeah, it was massive that Scotstown brought McDuffie back, not only for us, but also the supporters. Um, losing in 2019, I wasn't there, but I know that I hurt a lot of lads. So oh, we wanted to try and probably uh, do ourselves justice and get McDuffie back. Thankfully, we did. Um, and we want to keep them here for a couple of years and try to um, do everything we can to do that. Um, in terms of COVID, I mean, it was probably very difficult to keep yourself in shape, try and keep yourself doing home workouts, try and keep yourself active uh, during the first lockdown. Um, maybe other teams felt as if they didn't do enough, but we thought we did a really good job in trying to keep collective and. Trying to keep some sort of routine and habit going to allow us to perform at that level, which
1: was great. Mm. And I suppose, like obviously, there's been a lot of talk of having the the All Ireland Club Championships maybe in in February or, or January. Even I mean, I suppose we'll have to kind of wait and see how the uh, the whole you know situation pans out with the lockdown and all that over the next few months. But um, would that be something you'd even support and even, you know, Scotstown certainly you'd have to feel would probably be in, in contention maybe even for uh, for an Ulster club championship this year or next year? Um,
0: Yeah, I have heard some talk about that. I mean it's going to be very hard now what is it, November basically, the start of November Um, clubs are not allowed to train right now I don't really see the clubs training before Christmas collectively. So it'll be very hard to pick that fitness back up because yeah, you can keep fit, but to keep match fit is very, very hard to do. And I think it would be unfair for um teams to go out and play first round of Ulster in February um after being three to four months off. I don't think that's fair. I also don't think it's fair that county finals will be played after Christmas. I just think for the year that's in it, look at if you finished your championship, nice one, happy days. But if you didn't, then maybe just go back to the usual format for 2021 and get a good run at it. And do I think that the teams, the GN, needed to stop club activity? No, I think they could have finished out all competitions. Um, I, I, I think it was a good idea not to run the Ulster because, I mean, it would be very disheartening maybe for some teams to play in Ulster no fans um I was part of an Ulster run-in in 2015 so I think it's huge to maybe hopefully aim next year late next 2021 that the fans will be able to uh, participate in Ulster province or uh, province championships so I think we should probably just move on to 2021 and start from scratch that way
1: hmm. Yeah, I suppose it will be interesting to see how it all uh, does pan out. Um, and obviously, like there's been lots of talk about having like a separate window, um, you know, for clubs and, and county. Would that definitely be something you'd support?
0: So this year, um, it was great having the county buys there from the from day one. Like usually, you would be trained for the league campaign without the county buys. You wouldn't have the county buys for training unless they're they're beat. Monaghan would usually get a good run, in Ulster, and you wouldn't see your county buys maybe for a couple of weeks before um, championship so I think it was great this year to have the county buys there from the from the very start um, for us in town I think we have six maybe seven players so it was very you know it just picked the quality up of training essentially and everyone had to push themselves to get to the standard where they are um, so I think that worked really well um, if they're able to replicate that next year some way um, that would work I know that the county buys would are pretty happy with how things went, uh, given they're all to the club, and then they can focus on county. So I think it suits players, and I don't know if it suits the GEA, but hopefully they can do something similar next year. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be in favour for it anyway. Like you see, like where a lot of the how competitive a lot of the club championships were, you know, and you see obviously with a lot of top teams having their inter county stars back, and and how well they've done. So yeah, that would definitely be something I'd support as well, most definitely. Um, I suppose obviously you mentioned there that you were in Canada for for five years. I suppose can you talk a bit about um, like why you moved over there and kind of what your uh, what your role was? So
0: just before I went, um, I took a huge interest in health and fitness essentially, and I got my degree. In personal training uh, it was all done part-time along with my business degree and I had a lot more interest in the personal training rather than the business but um, the business degree definitely stood to me right now but at the time I was loving the personal training side of things and I felt as if Ireland um, didn't really offer me the best experience in terms of personal training. So I knew that North America was the way to go and I choose Toronto over New York. Um, and my girlfriend at the time was going as well. She had a Canadian passport. So it worked out really well. And when I got there, I wanted to join a company called Good Life Fitness. Good Life Fitness has maybe 500 gyms in Canada and are the top gym, a uh, global brand in Canada. They're also third in the top Uh, Worldwide. So I knew the experience I would get on the floor with those guys would stand to me for the future. Whereas in Ireland, if I maybe jumped into a commercial gym, I wouldn't be trained maybe the way I wanted to. So I felt as if going abroad was the step in the right direction, which thankfully it definitely was. I wouldn't be in the situation right now to be fully self employed in my own business if I didn't go abroad. And then obviously Toronto was a beautiful city. Canada's amazing. The people are amazing and loved the lifestyle of it where I feel as if I suit the big city life coming from a country, uh, coming from the countryside. So I loved every moment of it.
1: Mm. And I'd imagine obviously that experience, um, of, of being in Canada and everything you were kind of involved with there did that kind of give you then the motivation because obviously periodization coaching I might have said that wrong I'm, I'm bad with words no sometimes. you're fine all good <laughs> <laughs> um but did that kind of like was that did that kind of give you the motivation to kind of set that up then
0: yeah so periodization essentially is working within phases through a 12-month period for example in a GA so I learned all that in Toronto and I loved the way they coached Personal trainers, not necessarily coach clients, coach personal trainers on how to coach clients through building blocks without, through the year. And that was all new to me. I didn't, um, I just thought, you know, you meet the client, give them a tough workout that you made up before they come and then you never see them again. But the structure that they showed us to plan, program, and for clients, that really stuck with me. And it worked really well for my clients over there. Um, I was actually voted the top uh, best, so I won the bet. I coached, sorry, the best transformation in Canada in 2018. So the guy lost about 150 pounds, which was insane. Um, And he went through a very hard time. Uh, Leading up to the weight gain and then he dropped the weight and his whole lifestyle and his general life changed and we won that. And that was using periodization. So when I came home, I wanted to bring this idea of periodization and working within phases and building blocks uh, within programming to GA players. Uh, Because, especially at club level, because a lot of clubs don't really have strength and conditioning coaches. A lot of club players um, find it hard to find the right material online. So So that gave me motivation to push as much content that I learned over there to the GAA players. Um, The goal this year or even next year will be to fly over and back to Toronto, maybe do more courses, get more learning. But obviously COVID has put a dampener in that. And um, that's really where the whole business side of things came from. Um, Yeah, that's that's really where we're at right now.
1: Very good, yeah. And I suppose like um, obviously you work with a lot of footballers. So I suppose was it a bit challenging then kind of during that lockdown time because – you know obviously for a lot of players you know i suppose for a lot of players generally you're kind of used to continuously training moving and then all of a sudden you have to stop and you know you're doing home workouts and and running everywhere so like what was that kind of like working with uh working with some footballers like during that lockdown period
0: yeah so usually footballers um will have like a macro cycle for example where they know when they're playing league. They know when they're playing championship. They know when their off-season is. They know when the preseason is. And I felt as if because of COVID and because of lockdowns, some players maybe had three pre-seasons in one year because they never knew when the season was going to start. So that was challenging, and it was challenging to get the preseason right in terms of maybe not peaking too early in, in, in the running in pre-season. There's nothing worse where you. you feel amazing and you feel as if you're peaking um, at the wrong time. Uh, So that was tough. That was challenging. Um, But again, there's nothing wrong with challenges as a coach. You want to be challenged as a coach and you want to try and uh, you want to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes all the time as a coach, but it's just about rectifying them and then not making the mistake again. So as a coach, it was very challenging to know when the right time to lift weights, when the right time to run was, when the right time to implement home workouts was. Again, now it's challenging because we don't know how long this lockdown is going to last. How long do we want to be doing home workouts? Should we start a running now for next season? Will next season happen? Do you want to start your run in January? So it is difficult, but we try our best. And football aside, programming aside, if someone's feeling fit, healthy, they're lean, they've got good nutritional habits, they're good sleeping, well, then that's always a bonus. Um, so if I have those things um, good, well, then I've done my done half my job. The other half is really just programming towards football.
1: Mm. And do you think even injuries might be a big factor with a lot of um county players this year because obviously there's a quite a short turnover between matches compared to previous years and from a lot of people i've spoken to i think injuries is kind of something that a lot of people are concerned about
0: Mm. so
1: like how how do you think that a lot of players could actually you know kind of combat that i mean in terms of injuries and you know how how would you kind of go about that i suppose
0: yeah so i mean the first lockdown it didn't just hit g8 hit all sports worldwide And then when, for example, the NFL came back, the NBA, there was a lot more injuries, a lot more common injuries, especially in the hamstrings, for example, um, because the players just stopped playing the sport. Um, And when the GA went into lockdown, especially the first one, a lot of players probably thought there was no GA going to be played this year. And they didn't sprint. They didn't get on the pitch. They didn't move in uh, movements that they would usually do on the pitch. So when they did have to go into training, Teams and coaches didn't have that much time to prepare their fitness, so they were all going gung ho. And um, I knew that when I brought my team in, which is Emmyveil, into their maybe preseason during the summer, six weeks out from championship, um, and this is all guesswork because we didn't even know if there was going to be a championship. You had to ease them in slowly, and maybe some coaches rush them too much and maybe uh, push them too much with too um, high intensity and too high a volume. And that allowed some issues like hamstring injuries. So if I was a player um, now, just like any off season, you definitely don't want to be sitting around and say that you'd get fit after Christmas. You still want to be doing things like recreation sport, maybe a seven side soccer and um, moving in different patterns, different planes. So um, a lot of my clients now are on the pitch twice a week, three times a week doing some sort of running. So when they do go back in January or February, they're robust enough to take that volume and take that intensity that their team coach will put them through, whereas if players are not doing um consistent some sort of work, they might have problems. Um Inter County lads now it seems as if they've got they don't aren't too bad in terms of injuries with the championship um i think because they probably did a club campaign whereas if they didn't have the club and went straight into intercounty you might see more issues but there's definitely a lot of issues at the start when players went from lockdown straight into club football because they weren't the body wasn't used to the amount of volume of running and intensity
1: mm. and obviously uh, the get over movement as well um something you started on uh, instagram mm. i'm definitely a big fan of that um what like how did you like what made you kind of start that I suppose because definitely um yeah it was definitely I should pretty-
0: probably uh, the, the get over movement sometimes goes over my head because I actually have a lot of videos there that I still need to post and every time somebody mentions it I'm like oh I gotta post more and I feel bad <laughs> because um I haven't been posting and uh, the get over movement is is really big um and I probably should be doing a lot more of it and I should I could post 10 videos a day, five videos a day, easy. And I should probably kick back on that. But the get over movement probably started when I was in Toronto. And I did something that a lot of players to this day definitely don't do. I goes, you know what? I'm gonna take a video or someone's gonna be in the crowd recording anytime I score a point. When I was in Toronto, I was scoring pretty well, probably because the standard wouldn't be up to the same level as it is here. And I would post those scores and something that a lot of players, especially up in Ulster might shout is get over whenever your teammate scores. Okay, It's kind of a psychological thing where you might roar um, as loud as you can when a teammate or you score to try and win a psychological battle over the other team. So I started that movement. I started posting my own scores. And then these young guys would start sending me their scores. And I thought this was great because it was showing me that they had the confidence to not feel as if they are – Um, a shame to be on social media of scoring a great point i mean there is some kids out there or teenagers or even on 20 years 30 year olds that would probably like their score to be advertised on social media or on tv or whatever but they don't want to feel as if they're the ones putting it up so they sent it to me and then i tagged them and then i started doing um in 2017 2018 i picked one player from every single club in tyrone So, for example, I had Errol Kiern, a player from their club, send me a good overscore. And the scores were coming in hot and heavy. And there was people doing, like, uh, uh, flick-ups and on the volley over the bar. There was loads of different trick shots. And that's where it took off. And Tyrone are a very competitive county. And every player was trying to outbeat the score that was put up yesterday and so on. So I covered all of Tyrone, all of Armagh, all of Galway, got to Cork, Bad, bad, a bad idea going to Cork. There is way too many clubs in Cork and I've got a bit too crazy. There was herding clubs, there was football clubs, there was dual clubs, there was four or five teams dual together. It was a mess. So what I did is I just separated it and started my own Instagram page called Get Over. And I think it's nearly eight or nine thousand followers at the minute. And I could probably be doing a lot more with it. And now that we brought that topic up, I think I got to go back to the drawing board and maybe put a plan together and try to grow that. So um, that's where that really started off.
1: Yeah, no, I suppose with, with TikTok as well, um, during the lockdown, like there was so many great scores everywhere. I think, uh, I think we're, like, that's one of the things probably what the lockdown maybe helped in some ways was actually because a lot of people had so much time by themselves that they were able to find this free time to, I suppose, you know kick loads of beauties i suppose um but i suppose obviously like for yourself kind of moving forward like what like what like how does the kind of future look in your kind of sense like are you looking into maybe going into management or are you thinking maybe staying along the lines of you know personal training and everything else you're involved in right now
0: so right now like i said i have my feet in different areas um so in the personal training side of things let's say the business i definitely want to grow the business to where it's an online platform where I maybe have five to 10 coaches working alongside of me and coaching other GA players because there's there's always going to be tons and thousands, millions of GA players worldwide that want coaching or enjoy coaching. So in terms of that aspect, I'm rather going to go down of building an online platform rather than open up my own gym because I think open up my own gym is a lot of stress that I don't need that could be probably just diverted and i like the online aspect of it more i like doing zoom calls i like making videos and whatnot so in terms of business and person training and coaching i want to grow that platform um like right now i think i'm not sure what the number is but a couple of hundred ga players i'm fully responsible for so I would like to hire a coach who could take some of that workload off me. And then I could maybe hire, for example, a female coach that would have a demographic of maybe mothers or camogie players or whatnot. So that's kind of the idea where I'm going for. And then in terms of on the pitch coaching, I love that. So from probably February to end the championship, I'm responsible for GA training. I'm responsible for their fitness. I'm responsible for systems of play, patterns of play and whatnot. I would like to go into management I've been waiting to do my, I've done my foundation course in coaching and waiting to do my level two, three, four and move up um, in the adult coaching side of things. Right now I'm coaching Scotstown senior ladies and I'm also coaching um, another intermediate men's uh, team in Monaghan. Um, I have done coaching in in universities with Dundalk. Um, I did a bit of coaching in Toronto at a small level as well. So I really like that side of things. I just need to improve my knowledge uh, in terms of systems play and um, learning from the McEntees from Armagh, which I do seminars with, Tony Scullion. And then also learning from the management team that we have in Scotstown. I mean, they're fantastic as well. So those two things, um, that's kind of the path that I want to go, but again, I have, I work with businesses like Healthy Kiev as well. I want them to grow their meal company. Um, a couple of other businesses that I'm affiliated with. I work with Avonmore as well. So I want to grow in every aspect in terms of business-wise. And then obviously in a personal note, you know, really try and make my mark in club football and money.
1: Mm, definitely, yeah. Um, and I suppose then kind of just finishing up, I suppose, um, this is just a, a question I'm asking everyone, but who would be your uh, your All-Ireland kind of prediction? Like, who, who do you reckon will uh, will win Sam this year?
0: Yeah, I said Kerry from the start, so I got to stick with them. I think they have a lot of depth, a lot of youth coming through and the young players coming through, they don't seem to bat an eyelid at the pressure. So I think Kerry's the team for me.
1: Hmm. Yeah, no, I actually agree, funnily enough, even as a, a Dublin man, as, as much as it pains me to say it, I actually have a feeling that, uh, that Kerry will win it as well this year. Um, and then I suppose like if anyone, you know, watching this is looking to find you, um, you know, where, whereabouts would they go?
0: Um, so you can go to my Instagram page. It's just Coach Shane Rice. Um, and then Facebook is the exact same, coaching Rice. But then my website, if you're interested in any coaching online, is gapeerodization.com. Um, and you'll find uh the three categories there number one is one-to-one coaching which is probably the most popular number two is a transformation challenge that i run every six weeks and then the third one which is currently running just because it's another lockdown is a membership program for the home workouts where you're able to get the home workouts uh four home workouts to your device at your phone every week and then you cast it up to the tv and then you just get to work for 30 minutes and that's what i'm running right now and that's where you can find me uh,
1: Perfect. Well, uh, cheers for your time, Shane. Anyway, and um, yeah, best of luck with everything coming up in the in the next few months. Anyway,
0: thanks, Aaron. Love the chat.